Amen. Beautiful singing. And I cannot wait to hear some more tonight as we worship again this evening. But remain standing now as we read our scripture passage for this morning. That will be our sermon text, and it's found in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. Let's read together. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Open up your Bibles this morning to this passage, Matthew chapter 1. Last week we were in this passage as well, as we're taking just a a pause from our series in 1 Corinthians. We will resume that next Sunday. We decided the last two Sundays to focus on this Christmas passage. Last week we saw a lot about the deity of Christ and the humanity of Christ. We focused much on the words that he had a mother. We explored what does it mean for Jesus, the God-man, to become human, to be incarnated into human flesh. That is what Christmas is all about. We saw in this passage that after hearing that his betrothed was pregnant with child, an angel came to Joseph for some good news. And that news, of course, was what? That Mary had not been unfaithful. This is what Joseph assumed and what anybody would assume. This was during a time that Joseph and Mary were legally betrothed. This is meaning that they were legally married, but there was a waiting period after this agreement had begun. And Joseph went to his dad's house and Mary went back to her dad's house and they were separate even though they were legally married. They had not come together in an intimate way as husband and wife. And during that time is when Joseph discovers that Mary is pregnant. And of course, what would go through anyone's mind went through Joseph's. And this is when Joseph receives this news from the angel that Mary had not been unfaithful, but yet she is pregnant and what is inside of her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. Amazing. 
Today, as we move forward in this passage, I want to begin in verse 21. And again, these last two Sundays, my goal for you was to focus much on the doctrine of Christology. Christology is the doctrine of Christ. Last week, we saw the humanity of Christ. This week, we will see something about Jesus being a son, the sonship of Christ. Because that is also at the heart of what Christmas is all about. Look at verse 21. She, that's speaking of Mary, will bear a son. She will bear a son, verse 21. But this son won't just be any son. It's a son that's been promised from long, long ago. It's not uncommon for sons to be born. But this son is far superior than all sons that had ever been born. He was the promised son. And we first see that a son is promised, of course, to Eve in the, in the garden. That her offspring would crush the head of the serpent. We saw that last week. But in Isaiah chapter 9, we see also another promise that the Messiah would be a son that was to come. In Isaiah chapter 9, we know this verse very well. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Yeah, this son is unlike any other sons, for he has titles and qualities that no other human being possesses. No other person, it can be said of these things that qualifies them. And some have over time tried to make the historical context here, which is important, to be about other people. That this is not a messianic promise about a future Messiah like Jesus, but this is people who lived during that time like, or would soon come and some people say that this refers to Hezekiah or Josiah. But we know that can't be true. For this passage says that this child that would be born would be mighty God. And we know Hezekiah was not God. We know Hezekiah was not an everlasting person. He had a beginning and an ending. You see, what was happening during that time in Judah was that Judah was under judgment from God for idolatry and their great wickedness. And Isaiah was preaching and prophesying during that time to repent of their sins. And if they, had not, if they did not repent, that God would send his judgment upon the land. For they had broken God's covenant. And the consequences would be severe. Of course, we know Judah did not listen. And as their sister nation, Israel, the northern kingdom fell, so would they fall as well. But in the midst of all that gloom and doom... In the midst of all that judgment that they had incurred upon themselves, God then gives them hope. See, their kings had failed them. Their priests had failed them. Their prophets, false prophets, had arisen speaking in so-called God's name, had failed them. But the promise is here is that one day there is coming someone that will not fail you. This son, this child that will be born... He will be unlike all the other kings and all the other priests and all the other prophets who had existed. And he will not fail you. And this 
is the promise of a Messiah. And it comes through the promise of a son. This is who Jesus is. Born of Mary. God. Truly God. The eternal God. Became flesh. As a son. As a child. I mean think about this for a moment. I mean he's God. Why can't he just step down. And look like a man. Why a baby. I mean that has so much deepness and thought of thought to it it had to be that way for Jesus had to experience everything that we possess in our lives he goes through everything that we go through in our lives yet without sin he is in Adam's flesh born of woman under the law he's not just like an angel who comes and appears as a man no he was a man And he grew up as being a man. As this prophecy says, a child is born. A son is given. But listen to some of these titles that he possesses. Wonderful Counselor. This Messiah will be characterized by his wisdom. The word counselor in the Hebrew means uh, advice or counsel or wisdom and Jesus spoke and fulfilled this very clearly and plainly he spoke and had so much wisdom that he awed people he awed the religious leaders he awed the crowds they had never heard anybody speak in this way before in Matthew 7:28 for example Jesus is teaching at the sermon on the mount and when Jesus finished these sayings The crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Here's Jesus, wonderful counselor, giving wisdom, advice, commandments to the people. And the people hear it and they say, we've never even heard anyone talk like this guy before. Who is this? Oh yeah. Why is he so wise? Because he is God himself. It's interesting too. All the prophets, when they had a message from God, they would always say, thus says the Lord. I've got a message from God for you. This is what God is saying. But if you read your New Testament in the gospel accounts, Jesus never one time utters the words, thus says the Lord. Not one time. Why? Because he is the Lord. In fact, he says, no, truly, truly, I say unto you, he's wonderful counselor. Who speaks like this? He doesn't have to repeat a message from God. He is God and he hears the message. And he gives the message. Paul speaks about who Christ is in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 23, 24. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and look, the wisdom of God. He's wonderful counselor. Going back to Matthew, uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He's not just wonderful counselor. And by the way, we're going to be all over the place today. 
So if you're taking notes, uh, write fast, okay? We're going to throw a lot of scripture references at you. I want you to take you through the Bible. I want you to see all these scriptures so that when people ask you, tell me who Jesus is. Oh, here, let me open up my sermon notes and I'll tell you. I want you to learn so that you can give this to somebody else, okay? He's mighty God. Yes, he's mighty God. That's who this Messiah would be. This child born would be mighty God. El Shaddai is the name for Almighty God in the Hebrew. And this is who this child would be, who would be born. And we see this from John 1 1. We know this verse very well. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God. Amazing. He's not just mighty God, He is also everlasting Father everlasting father now the word father here doesn't mean like God the father no it means he is fatherly he has a this Messiah would have a role as a father in that he would lead and protect and provide you see the shepherds of Israel that's the teachers in this day of Judah of Isaiah's time fed themselves and starved the people Ezekiel has much woes against these shepherds and against the false leaders of Israel who led the people astray at this time. They were, they were terrible fathers. They would be fathers who filled their own pockets and made sure their children were poor. At this time, there were even so much hunger and famine, idolatry, Mothers would offer their children up on the altars to false gods. Some would even eat their children because they were so poor. Horrors happening at this time. No one can be trusted. I mean, think of Isaiah's time. You would not want to live during those days. No leaders can be trusted. Kings are corrupt. Priests do their own thing. Prophets, can we even believe what they're saying? Oh, no, but this leader who's coming, this Messiah who's coming, he's an everlasting father. He's not going to mistreat you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to protect you. He's going to shepherd you like a dad should take care of his kids. And look at this. He's everlasting. He has no beginning and he has no ending. This can't be said of any person. We all have a birthday. We all have a birthday. We all have an expiration date in this life. But even though Jesus was born on Christmas Day as a human, it's not the beginning of his existence. He is the eternal pre-existent one. He is the one who precedes time itself. But yet this Messiah would be everlasting this is what John 1, 1 says that we just saw. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is who he is. He is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. And one more title in that Isaiah passage. He is Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, 7 says this. Of this Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. 
on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Oh, he is the prince. He is the ruler of peace. He is the ruler. He is the king over his people. And when he rules, his people are not tired of him. His people aren't saying, when is the next election so we can vote him out of here? No. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Think of those words. Think of those words. Humans always seek for more power. Politicians and kings always want more power for themselves and to be greedy. And it always leads to war and destruction and to lining their pockets, right? And that doesn't mean peace for the people. Often it leads to destruction and poverty when these wicked people get their way. When there's a bigger government and a bigger government to come and more government control. The increase of his government doesn't lead to crime and hostility and sin. It leads to what? Peace. He's the prince of peace. He's the prince that when he has more power, it's better for everybody. He is the one when he has more authority... There is joy to the world. This is this Prince of Peace. You know, can we all agree that the world is really messed up? Oh, it's like that song we just sang. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote that poem. On the verge of great turmoil in his life, his wife had died His son was at war. Much turmoil in his family. And in that third verse, he says, he looks around, there is no peace on earth. All is lost. All is lost. But can I tell you something? The fact that there was a Christmas day 2,000 years ago, here's the hope I can give you. It won't always be like this. It won't always be like this. Better days are coming. And I'm not talking about 2024, 2028, or 2032, or whenever the next election is. I'm talking about one day. One day when the king of glory returns. And the increase of his government increases. He will be the prince of peace. And there will be no more sin or destruction or greed ever to be found anywhere else in the world. It won't always be like this. Take heart. I know many of you are grieving. Many of you are sorrowful. Many of you are stressed. Listen to me. It won't always be like this. Because a son has been given. A child is born. Better days are coming. He's the son of Isaiah 9-6. But when you look at the sonship of Christ, it goes even more beyond that. 
And how we can know that he truly is the one. For a son being promised from the beginning to Eve, as we saw last week. But also a son was promised to Abraham as well. Abraham is the father of the Jewish people. And the promise to Abraham is found in Genesis chapter 22. Here's Abraham up on the mount with Isaac, about ready to offer him as he is obeying God. And the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And on your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because you have obeyed my voice. Here's this promise that God makes to Abraham. Abraham is the father of the Jewish people. He's the one for all Jews come from. He is father Abraham. But yet on this mountain as Abraham is about to offer up his one and only son. His promised son. God makes him a promise. Because you've obeyed me Abraham. The promise will be kept through you. The promise is here. The covenant I've established will you will come to fruition. I will bless you. I will keep you. I will give you more sons than the stars of heaven or the sand on the seashore. And your offspring will possess the gate of his enemies. What does that mean? You will be victorious over all your enemies. And here's the thing. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. How can all the peoples of the world be blessed because of Abraham? Because of his offspring. Who is his offspring? It's this child who was born. It's his child who's been born. Who... Not coincidentally, but planned by God. As again, just like Isaac, the one and only promised son. But unlike Isaac, he wasn't stopped from being offered. He was fully offered. So that through Jesus and his death and resurrection, all the families of the world can be blessed. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. It doesn't matter what skin color you are. It doesn't matter what language you speak. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and repent of your sins, you will be saved. That's the promise. This is why John looks in Revelation and he sees a, a sea of people that no one can number. And he says, I saw and I looked and behold, I saw all tribes and tongues and languages. All of them were represented standing before the throne of God. That is the promise completed to Abraham. That through Jesus, his offspring, shall all the world will be blessed. And Paul picks this up in Galatians chapter 3. In Galatians chapter 3, Paul says this to the Galatian church. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached what? The gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. In the nation of Israel... God has formed a people 
Those people, that covenant people, represented the people of, of God on earth. But now, in Jesus Christ, the people of God are not just those who share Abraham's DNA. No, no, no. They're those. The people of God now are those who share Abraham's faith. All those who are of faith, he says, are blessed along with Abraham. And you are blessed in that son that was given. This son to Abraham. Oh, what a blessing. And the nation of Israel, God also appointed the sons of Israel to hold certain offices to lead the nation. And that was prophet, priest, and king. As we've already said, they they failed the nation repeatedly over the years. But in Jesus Christ, we see that the son that was given fulfills all three of these offices. The Messiah would need to fulfill all three offices to lead the true Israel of God to be blessed by the nations. What does this mean? Well, first he would be a prophet like unto Moses. This is what we see in the scriptures in Genesis chapter 18. I'm sorry, Exodus 18. The Lord your God will raise up for, I'm sorry, Genesis 18, yeah, 15. Will raise up a prophet like me from among you, your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. And Peter takes up this whole thing of Moses being a prophet of God, speaking to God's people. The son that was given. Here is another illustration of a son. Here's a son that Pharaoh's daughter saves and keeps in the river, hidden from Pharaoh to protect him. Raises him, rears him. Moses grows up and then he goes back to the people of God to lead them out. Amazing. And Peter in Acts chapter 3 in his sermon here alludes to the same prophecy of this prophet like unto Moses that is coming that you shall listen to him. He alludes to the same thing in Acts chapter 3 by saying, Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. The times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you, and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. Jesus, like Moses, would lead the people of God out of Egypt, which is symbolized by this world, He would free them from slavery, which is represented and symbolized by our sin. He would overcome Pharaoh, which is symbolized by Satan, and lead them to the promised land, which is symbolized by a new heaven and new earth. Oh, is Jesus the son that was given like a prophet unto Moses? Absolutely. He would also be the son, the second office, would be a priest who makes sacrifice and intercession for God's people. Again, the priests couldn't be trusted. They fed themselves, ignored the sins of the people, ignored their own sins, brought idols into the thing, led the people into sin instead of away from sin. But not the Lord Jesus, the son that is given, now leads them to God as a true high priest. 
This is what Hebrews chapter 9 verse 11 says. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats goats and calves, but by, by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? This is what Jesus fulfilled. He's a prophet like unto Moses. He is a high priest which makes intercession and sacrifice for his people. And number three, the third office that Israel had was a king. Number three, he would be the son from the lineage of King David. Oh, the promise to David. Oh, David, a man after God's own heart, a man who loved the Lord, a man whom God raised up. God promised to David in 2 Samuel 7, 13. Because David wanted to build the temple for God and God wouldn't let him. But he said, don't worry about that. Your, your son will build it. And Solomon did. But this is the promise that God makes to him. He shall build a house for my name, speaking of Solomon. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. The promise made to David is that David, kings come and go. Nations come and conquer nations. And that line of kings stops from being king. Guess what? Your family, your family will have someone sit on your throne forever. He will lead the people of God as a true king Never to be usurped, never to be overthrown. Why? Because I will establish his throne. And this is exactly what the angel says when the announcement of Jesus' birth is given. In Luke 1.32, when the angel tells them that you shall call him his name Jesus, look what he says here in Luke 1.32. He will be great and we be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. This is who Jesus is. He is the true prophet, the true priest, the true king. He is the true son, the true child that is given We see so much encapsulated in his name, in his nature, in his identity, in his mission. I mean, I am really blazing through this, people. I mean, we could be here for hours and hours and weeks and weeks and years and years. But going back to Matthew chapter 1, let's go back there. Matthew chapter 1. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is who this child is. He's a savior. Joseph, his name 
tells you what he will do. His name means what he has been sent for. We said last week that the name Jesus, Yeshua, means the Lord saves. Yeshua saves. Yahweh saves. And Jesus lived up to his name. Amen. He died on the cross. It is finished. And all those who believe in him are saved. That's the promise of Christmas. Everyone who believes is saved. And that's a gift, my friends. That's a gift that cannot be earned, worked for, achieved, deserved. No. It all comes by faith through this son that has been given. He is the son of Mary. He is the son of Abraham. He is the son of David. And all those titles are important. But the reason that all those have significance is because he's another son. The scriptures have another title for the Lord Jesus. He is the son of God. He is the son of God. And this is what the angel says in Luke 1, 32. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. He is the son of the most high. The son of God. Now what does that mean? Because some people have a warped view of the Trinity when, it, when they hear the title, Son of God. Jesus is not a lesser God. He is God. He is God. He is 100% God. It's not that the Father is 33% God and Jesus is 33% God and the Spirit is 33% God. No, there's one God in his essence revealed in his persons as three, a mystery that don't try to do the math about. It won't make sense to you. But this is the mystery, the tension that is held. That he is the son of God. It doesn't mean that he's another kind of God. No. He's of the, he's of the same essence of the Father. He's of the same essence of the Spirit. He is God. Son of God gives us a title more than his, his um, origination. God didn't, God didn't, God the Father did not birth Jesus in eternity past. No, he's always been. He has no beginning. He's the Alpha and the Omega. So then what does the title Son of God mean? Let me give you a couple of examples. And you always have to let the scripture interpret the scripture. James and John were nicknamed in the scriptures as being the sons of Now, was their dad named Thunder? No. James and John were not na- his dad were not named Thunder. 
So what are they talking about? Their personality, their charisma, their speaking were associated with what? Thunder. They were loud. You couldn't miss them. James and John, the sons of thunder. Their identity is now associated with what? Something thunder to help you realize, oh, that's who they are. They're thunderous. Here's another one. Judah was called the son of perdition. Again, was his dad named perdition? What a terrible name to name anyone. But anyway, son of perdition. No, his dad's name was not perdition. The perdition means what? Destruction, right? Devastation, right? Speaking of Judah's demise and his lot of betraying the Lord, the son of perdition. No, what's it mean? It's associating Judah with who he was. He was possessed by Satan, filled with Satan to do what he did. Again, this title, son of perdition, son of thunder. Now we go to son of God. What is he saying? Because I've witnessed the people. Oh, Jesus isn't God. He's just the son of God. No, it's not meaning. When we say Jesus is the son of God, we are meaning he is God. He is associated. Everything who God is, he is. Just like James and John were the sons of thunder. All the characteristics of thunder are now found in James and John. Just like Judas is the son of perdition. All the devastation and destruction that came upon him for what he did is now associated with him. And Jesus is a son of God because he is God. Everything who God is, Jesus is because he was the word who became flesh. He's the son of God. If you look, this is why Jesus says, if you've seen the father, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Why? Because he is God. If you've heard me, You've heard the Father. Why? Because I only speak the words he tells me to speak. Again, there's no denying who Jesus is. He's the son of Mary, but he's also the son of God, which is just saying he is God. Matter of fact, to help you out even more, Jesus had a favorite title of himself. Guess what Jesus' favorite title of himself was? Son of man. Right? Son of man. What does that mean? Everything associated with man in his flesh, in his body, is now him. Son of man is another term which just means human. Son of God is a term which means God. This is what it means for Jesus to be the son of man and son of God. He is the God-man. He's not a second God or a lesser God. No, there's one God. Amazing. All this through the word son. Son. Everything I've explained to you today comes from the promise of sonship. The son of Mary. The son of man. The son of God. Oh, there's there's so much more I could share. Let me just give you one more and then we'll be done. In Psalm chapter 2, 
Psalm chapter 2 is a messianic psalm. And of course, in the context, it's speaking about David. It's speaking about David's line, the Messiah that's to come. Psalm 2 is one of my favorite psalms. Psalm 2, Psalm 11, I've got a lot of favorites. I love Psalm 2. Why? Because it's God the Father, the Lord Yahweh speaking about the Son. Let's listen to what it says. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my Son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage. And the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. Dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. And rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. And you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Again, immediate context, King David. Greater context, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the fulfillment of the line and lineage of David, just like the angel said. And one day, the nations will be his heritage. The glory of the Lord will be seen as the waters cover the sea. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessels. At his second coming, he's not coming in peace. He's coming in war. He's coming on a white horse to make all his enemies his footstool. And the last enemy to be defeated is death. So therefore, here's the warning. O kings on the earth who will fight against him, who will fight against the throne of David, you better be warned, O earth. Oh, you better be warned, O kings. You better serve Yahweh with fear. You better rejoice with trembling. And the only way to the Father, the only way to peace is what? Kiss the Son. Kiss the Son. Lest he be angry and you perish in his way. Let me put that in modern vernacular here in 2023. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Or you will face the wrath of God Almighty. This is what Christmas is all about. A son has been given. A child has been born. He's the son of Mary. He's the son of God. And because of that, we have peace on earth. Peace with God. Peace of God in our hearts. Peace with one another. For those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ. So let us be encouraged. Let us be encouraged. That, that word son, oh, it's traced it throughout the Bible. We just did it quickly this morning. So important to identify who he is and identify what he has done and what he will do. And may this Christmas Eve, friends, may you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior. May you know that you are a sinner May you know that you need him. May you know, as the girl sang this morning, that he has come for us, this Jesus. 
This is why he came. He has come for us to glorify the Father, to redeem us from our sins as far as the curse is found. Joy to the world. May you believe in him right now and be saved. Let's pray. Oh Lord, I just felt like I just ran a marathon going through all that. I know it's a lot of information. But Lord, I just wanted to focus on the sonship of Christ. Wonderful counselor. Everlasting father. Prince of peace. Mighty God. Son of Mary. Son of David. Son of Abraham. Son of God. And she shall bear a son. Thank you, God. Thank you. Lord, we, Lord, we are humbled this morning to consider the weightiness of these words and to discover the, the grand plan that you've had from the beginning. That the word would become flesh and dwell among us and be we will behold his glory. May we never lose sight of this fact this Christmas. When we say Jesus is the reason of the season, may we really know what that means. Not let it just be a cliche that we sing or say. May we really know that Jesus is the reason is because of this son that has been born. This promised son throughout this line of these scriptures that we've read this morning. Help us to see this. Help us to share these truths with our friends, with the lost, with those who need to know that this son that has been given, this child that's been born, is for their good. Father, work in hearts. Call many to repentance. And may they receive the sweetest and greatest gift right now by faith through your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.